Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope Community Church. We're glad that you've joined us on this last Sunday of the year. Merry Christmas. It's the, um, what day of Christmas is this? Are we, are we, uh, are we getting swan to swimming? Or I, I forgot to, I forgot to uh, do the math. So anyway, and I hope you're enjoying your Christmas season. Uh, thank you for those of you who joined us for our Christmas Eve service. If you missed it, it's still floating around out there online somewhere. If you would like to enjoy all the Christmas songs and, and everything else. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Thank you, God. Thank you for not letting go of us. Thank you for uh, your persistence in your love for us. We have needed that, God, because you, you know that we are not always seeking after you. There have been so many times in each of our lives when we have wandered off, when we have gone and tried to do our own thing, when we have found ourselves at the end of our rope crying out to you, and what do you know? There you are, continuing to love us, continuing to hear and, and answer our cries for help. God, we don't want to wait until we're desperate. We want to come to you today and give you thanks and praise for the love that you have shown us in your son, Jesus Christ, for your faithful love down through the ages and in our own lives. Thank you, God. We are here near the end of a, of a no good, terrible year that we are all excited to leave behind us. And God, you have seen us through. Represented in, in our congregation, in the people watching and participating in this service today, God, you know there are, there are those of us who have, been, uh, have gone through great health issues, some of us catching the COVID-19 thing, and, and others of us uh, grieving the loss of loved ones, some who have gone through great financial hardship, some who have been stressed beyond anything they thought they could bear, uh, whether it was because of work or because of life, God, you have been faithful. You have been good throughout all the upheavals and all the, uh, the stresses and the dangers, and the, the toils and snares, to, to use language from Scripture and song. God, you have been with us through it all. You have provided us the, the grace and the strength and the hope that we have needed. Thank you, God. We come to you today grateful for your faithful love. Thankful for this season of, uh, of the year, this Christmas season, when we give you thanks for the gift of love you've shown us in Jesus Christ, for your presence here among us. <laughs> because you live, we can face tomorrow. We just sang it. Because you, Lord Jesus, came to us right here. Because you have experienced the mess and the struggle, and you have overcome. You even experienced our death, and you defeated death and sin and the devil so that we can have confidence in trusting and following you. We can know that life awaits us no matter what comes our way. Thank you, God. Thank you for this unbelievable love that you have for us. It truly does blow our minds. Would you please today uh, help us to have these blown minds open to you and to what you might want to say to us, open to your Holy Spirit and, and what strength you might want to provide. Teach us something new today, God. Prepare us for whatever comes next by your Holy Spirit speaking through your word. Please, God, would you connect our minds and our hearts with you today? We thank you once again for the opportunity we have to gather, uh, even if only virtually, but to gather together nonetheless. God, your Holy Spirit binds us together as your people both as a local congregation here at, at Living Hope and with brothers and sisters in Christ around the world. God, thank you 
thank you for the opportunity to gather and worship you today. We pray all this confident in your love, grateful for the gift you've given us in Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, the peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you, thank you. We need that peace today. Uh, and thank you, Joe and Crystal, once again, for leading us this morning, uh, for using your gifts. Uh, I'm grateful to the Heisals and to the Svelbars and the Andersons who all uh, put their gifts together to, uh, to lead us on Christmas Eve. Uh, it's been a while since we've been able to have all of them together. We had to, we had to pre-record that in several sessions to be able to get all of them together and uh, to be able to have all of them participate. It's been a year like, uh, like none we've experienced anyway in our 20-something years now of life together as a church. Um, should I step up there to do the announcements? I guess I should. Okay. Uh, sorry. I feel like I'm just like hiding there at the bottom of your screen. Uh, just real quick before, uh, before um, my dad steps up here to, to give the message, uh, we wanted to let you know that uh, if you would like to connect with us, if you would like to uh, shoot us an email, if you'd like to go to livinghope.info slash connect. There's a little digital connect card. Uh, when we're in person on Sundays, there's those little green cards you can drop in the offering box and let us know you're with us and how we can pray for you or thank God with you. And, and that digital connect card is the way to do that. Uh, or of course, you can leave a comment if you're watching on Facebook or YouTube or wherever you happen to be watching. Uh, you can comment to us. But if you want to send a message directly to me, you can go to livinghope.info slash connect, fill that thing out. And we would love to know how we can pray for you and how we can connect with you uh, now and in the coming year. Uh, also, thank you to all of you who've been giving um, so faithfully through this whole thing. Uh, I just uh, heard from some others of you uh, just the last couple of days, like, hey, it's the end of the year. We've got some extra that we want to give to make sure that there's somebody in need that they can get it. Um, so thank you. You can go to livinghope.info slash give to give directly, uh, either by linking it to your checking or your credit card or whatever. And uh, as long as you get those in by the end of the year, if you're somebody who needs to do that for tax reasons, um, yeah, get that to us. Um, don't, don't drop it in the mail now because, uh, well, they might not get to us by the end of the year. But if you, um, if you give online, you can know and you'll have the record right there that you've, that you've got that in. So thank you to those of you who are being generous. Um, one way you can be generous right now at the end of the year, every December, we uh, provide this opportunity for you to give to help warm someone's home through the winter. We partner with a nonprofit called First Contact, a Christian resource and referral ministry that has offices uh, throughout Porter County including one right here in Valparaiso, and several churches funnel their resources together uh, to first contact so that when someone in the community who might not be attached to any church, uh, when they have a need, instead of having to call 20 or 30 churches and hope they can catch someone on the phone and hope that they can catch someone in the office and uh, someone who can make a decision and help give them some help, they can go to one place and get help that they need and get referrals to other resources in the community. So if you would like to give to that, uh, to the Good Neighbor Fund is what we've called it here as a church, um, and so you can go to that Give page and just from the drop-down pick Good Neighbor Fund and uh, we'll get all that directly to First Contact, make sure that our neighbors can uh, keep their, their heat going, keep their rent paid, keep their medicine uh, purchased and all the things like that. So if you would like to give to help with that, uh, that'd be a beautiful thing. Probably other things I should let you know about, but I want to make sure we give plenty of time uh, to my dad. This is Pastor Dwayne Schmidt, and uh, he is done filling in at our sister church in Laporte, and he's able to be with us today. Thank you. Hey, you. Getting ready for the new normal, huh? One year ago, this coming Thursday, we heard it on the news. There's a virus in China that is spreading. One year ago, this next Thursday, was the first day we heard anything about it. 
And then it was about uh, three months later, I preached my, what was going to be my last sermon on March the 15th, and, uh, and then I was going to be back here, and don't you know it, March the 18th, they closed us down. The new pastor said, I'm not moving in the middle of a pandemic. So I was stuck for another six months before a pastor came. And, but it's amazing to me how in the last year, nine months of being locked down off and on, how many people have quit? They said, ah, I'm tired of this. I'm going to go. They open up the bar. Let's go to the bar tonight. And they'll overcrowd the bar. And then the next thing you know, they get COVID. Or they go to a concert or they go to some other thing. And, it, it, you know, it's, it's like we don't have the endurance. We need to figure out how can I have endurance just to last a few more months before we get the vaccines and most of us that want it. So I was looking at a character in the Bible. And uh, it's really interesting. Whenever I'm going through a tough time, I can usually find some individual in the Bible going through a time a whole lot tougher than what I'm going through. You say, is that possible? Oh, yeah. In fact, the person we're going to look at today, he had a lot of character. In fact, I'm just going to have him print on the bottom of the screen what character is. Character is an outward reflection of an inward connection. What are you connected to in here? Depends on your character. And in order to do that, it takes discipline. And discipline is doing what we ought to do so we can do what we want to do. It was actually 30 years ago, 31 years ago, that my son, Pastor Rich, ran the first of what I knew as the popcorn panic. And here in Valparaiso, we have the popcorn festival in, in, in September. And, and they had a five-mile race. And he ran it with the soccer team. He said, Dad, you ought to run that with me next year. He said, yeah, that'd be great. I can run that with my 16-year-old. No kind of stick connected. And then in the spring, I thought, I better get started. And I remember I ran a couple blocks and barely made it back home. And I, I told my son, I said, you know, I, I, can't, I can't do five miles. I can barely do two blocks. And typical teenager said, well, good. You went two blocks a day, go three blocks tomorrow. And after a while, you get to five miles. And sure enough, got to five miles. We ran it together. I found out I like this. I'd get up early in the morning, run. A lot of times it was dark. I'd get up and run. And then I'd feel so much better the rest of the day. Because I got to spend time with God in that time alone. I didn't have a cell phone with me. The phone wasn't ringing. Nobody was, you know. And I got to find out that I loved to run marathons. So I ran 47 of them. And uh, here's what I did. I just stayed in shape all the time. Because I wanted to run marathons. So I disciplined myself to do what I ought to do. So I could do what I wanted to do. Be in shape to run a marathon. But it's great to have discipline. But I tell you, you need something else. There's another quality that discipline needs to be strapped onto, I found out, and that is endurance. And that's what I want to talk to you today is endurance. What is endurance? It's definitely an endangered species, as we can see in our life nowadays. But endurance is stampeding through the stopping points of life. You know, you come up to a lady and there's a wall. What do you want to do now? In fact, when you run a marathon, you hit a wall. What do I do? I've seen thousands of people just quit. I just decided I'm just going to keep on going, even if I have to go slower. You see, it's a quality you and I desperately need nowadays through this COVID is endurance. 
I mean, just think about it. When my wife and I first got married 51 years ago, today, <clears throat> we signed an apartment lease for one year. Now you can get an apartment on a month-to-month -month lease. I mean, just think of about it. Contracts have escape clauses. We have prenuptial agreements because, you know, I may not want to work on this marriage, so I may want out early. I may, want, I may want to quit. We have free agency in athletics. It's just like we've trained a younger generation. It's okay. You don't need endurance. But you do if you're going to get through life. And so today we're going to look at someone who was empowered with endurance, a guy that you all know about. His name was Noah. You know Noah, the guy that built the big, great big boat? They called it an ark. And he exemplified true endurance. In fact, when you read the book of Genesis, it's kind of interesting to me. The first several chapters talk about the fact that you and I, as human beings, we are made in the image of God. You see, God could have created robots that would never do anything wrong. We'd always do everything right. But he didn't want robots. He wanted people who would love them from their heart. And so he gave us a freedom of choice. No other created creature has that choice. We do. We can choose to either obey God or to do what I want to do. And I don't care what God says. We got freedom of choice. We can choose good. We can choose evil. We can choose. So let's just take a look here. By the time we get to chapter 6, Here's what happened. People were making wrong choices. It says there in chapter 6, verse 5, the Lord saw how bad the people on earth were and that everything they thought and planned was evil. He was very sorry that he made them. And he said, I will destroy every living creature on earth. I like these next three words. I'll wipe out people, animals, birds, reptiles. I'm sorry I ever made them. Man, he was going to do a wipeout. I'm just going to get rid of them. Now, let me just tell you something. In God's economy, if you disobey God, that's called sin. Sin has a payment. In fact, let me show you how to spell sin. Here's how you spell sin. S, big I, little n. I'm going to do what I want to do, and I don't care what God wants me to do. If you live that way, guess what? You'll suffer the consequences. In fact, it tells us in the New Testament in Romans 6.23... Sin pays off with death, but God's gift is eternal life by Jesus Christ, our Lord. Joel Crystal just sang about that. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. I can have that eternal gift where I choose to follow God. But here, these people were choosing to disobey God, so God was just going to play wipeout on the entire earth. And you know something about God, though? He is perfectly balanced, God is. None of us are, but God is. On the one hand, he is a God of judgment. You sin, you pay a price. On the other hand, he's a God of grace. He gives you favor. And he's always looking for a chance to extend his grace. And as you looked over the, the life, I mean, and, and what is really great about it is, because God is a gracious God, he always gives us a second chance, or a third chance, or a fourth chance. But he gives us grace. But he's looking out over the world, here's the thing. It says, but the Lord was pleased with Noah. That is a pretty cool phrase, was pleased. That's one of the first instances we have in the Bible showing God's grace. And it says, the Lord was pleased with Noah, and this is the story about him. Noah was the only person who lived right and obeyed God. Wow. So the Lord was pleased with Noah. And in, in the original language, this means a superior person giving unmerited favor to an inferior person. And here in this case, the superior person was God 
giving unmerited favor to unmerited favor to Noah. And he was pleased. And because he was pleased with God, it said Noah was the only person who lived right and obeyed God. By the way, that word obeyed God in the original language also can mean walk with God. Noah walked with God. Just yesterday, Ruth Ann and I were out walking. Uh, I no longer can run because of a heart problem. So we were out walking and some people behind us were walking and we could hear everything they said. We walked as fast as we could. We wanted to stay in front of them because, you know, it's COVID and we didn't have a mask. We're outdoors. We're thinking, man, there's just going to be us. But we met several people that were walking. And they're talking and we can, we can hear them. And about that time, I said, you know what, Ruth? We're going to have a runner coming up behind us. I can hear him. He's going to be on the other side of the road. Sure enough, this runner goes by, and he was about our age. And I said, isn't that a beautiful day? <laughs> it is a great day. He said, you can't run and walk, but you can walk and talk. Run and talk is kind of hard. And Obea, Noah was a guy who walked with God. That means he spent time with God, meditated on what God was telling him to do. In fact, meditation is making space to hear God's word, God's voice, and to obey his truth. I can't tell you how many times I've used it. I've said, I told people, I said, listen, if you find one verse that I use today and it helps you, be sure and write it down. I usually hand out notes, but it's kind of hard to hand out notes when you're home. And, and, and I said, you just tape that on your car or somewhere or on your dash or someplace where you can see it, and you just meditate on that word all day. In fact, if you look up the word meditate, you go to Bible Gateway or somewhere and type in meditate, guess what? Every time, see, Eastern meditation, it's like you, you just try to empty your mind. When you empty your mind, the devil likes to walk in. The Bible never says you empty your mind. In fact, it says right over here in Psalms chapter 1, you know, blessed are those, in verse 2, whose delight is in the word of God, and they meditate on his word day and night. I mean, it just all through the Bible, it talks about when you meditate. And uh, it's kind of interesting to me that Noah walked with God, meditated on what he knew. And we're very fortunate we have the word in black and white where we can see it and read it and meditate on it. I guess another good way to explain this is I remember growing up in western Kansas. And in western Kansas, uh, our closest neighbors were two miles away. You go past them, you had to go three miles to get to the next house. It's kind of like a desert, but not quite. So it kind of, God kind of teaches you. So you plant some things, and some years it grows, and some years it doesn't. And they, they average 15 to 18 inches of rain a year. And, and uh, it was really a great place for a kid to grow up because you had all kinds of space. And uh, because you had all kinds of space, when it was time to eat, your mom or dad would have to call you because we didn't have cell phones back in those days. In fact, we're lucky if we had any phone at all back in those days. And uh, when, every so often, my mom would say, hey, tonight on the bus, I'm going to give you a note. You give it to the bus driver, and uh, he's going to drop you off at Perry's house. Perry wants to play with you. And I thought, oh, that's great, because Perry's been to our farm. He was a city boy. I haven't been in town for a while. I get to stay in town and play with other kids. So I get, I, I get off the bus when they drop off Perry there in town. And, and um, we're playing, and we're probably blocking half away from the house. And all of a sudden, in the middle of nothing, remember, you have no earphones back in those days, nothing like that, just nature. His mom would put Pavarotti to shame. I mean, she would call and say, Barry, come home. Just a real shrill voice. I can't even get close to what she did. 
And I mean, Perry was a big guy. He'd have been a great lineman in college. If he'd ever gone to college football, he'd been great at it. I had never seen Perry run so fast in my life. It's all I could do to keep up with him. He was a big guy getting all that weight. And he was, man, he, under, he, he knew his mom's voice. Meanwhile, once in a while, I'd get to go to another farmer's and a good friend called Roger. And when it was time to eat there, his dad would just come out of the house and say, Roger. And I mean, Roger, he didn't count to one, two, three. When you heard Roger, you know you better be going right now. Roger knew his dad's voice. He knew the tone of the voice. It was time to go now. And he'd take off. My mom, she'd turn Dwayne into like a five-syllable word. And I could be an eighth of a mile away behind the barn with the cows. And I'd hear, Dwayne, come home. I knew it was time to eat. It was amazing to me. It didn't matter where we were, in town, in the country, wherever. Every child knew their parents' voice. You know why? Because they walked with their parent. They lived with their parent. They were around their parent. They recognized their voice. And when you spend time meditating on God's word, you begin to hear his voice, his impression that he gives you. You, be, you know it's God who's talking to you, who's trying to get your attention. You say, wait a minute, Dwayne, you, you mean to say that God speaks to people today? Let me tell you something. Anytime God speaks to you, gives you an impression. I don't know that I've heard, maybe once or twice I've heard an audible voice, but most of the time it's just like, an, I feel like God wants me to say something to this person or do something or help this person or whatever it is. You need to do one of two things. First thing you do, you get the Bible out and you check and see if it agrees with Scripture. As I, you know, if, God, if I get an impression that God wants me to go rob a bank, I think, oh, no, no, the Bible says do not steal. That's got to be the devil talking. No, not God. That's a different voice. You know, and, and it's documented, so you can go through Scripture. And the other thing you need to do is, I, and I can't tell you how many times people have done this, they've called me up because they needed to run it by some trusted Christian friend that they could trust to keep it confidential. And it's amazing how many times I've called up somebody and... Uh, most of the time they say, yeah, that, that, that sounds pretty good. Well, why don't you pray about this another week, Dwayne? I mean, you never know. You might have had some bad pizza last night or the sushi wasn't quite, you know, you better just, you just, may just pray about another week. And you say, well, I, you know, Dwayne, I've, I've never felt God's leading me before. I can't tell you. At least once a year, somebody would come in for counseling from the church I pastored and and they'd say, you know, I don't, I don't hear God speaking to me. You know why? I'd say, here's, here's what I'd ask them. I said, well, when was the last time you remember God giving you an impression to do something? Every time they could tell me. Oh, that was 12 years ago. Really? What did God want you to do 12 years ago? What do you mean to apologize to somebody? And you decided not to apologize? You decided you're not going to do God's thing? You're going to do what I want to do and you didn't apologize? And then you wonder why you're not hearing from God anymore? Let me tell you something. You've got to take the first step before you get to the second step. See, the reason you're not hearing from God is because you're not walking with God. You need to go back 12 years, and right now, we just need to ask God to forgive you and to help you begin to walk with God again. And every time they did, like the next Sunday, they couldn't wait to come see me. They said, man, it worked. My spiritual life is alive again. I've been able to hear God again. I know what God wants me to do. Other times, maybe you're obeying God, and he's just waiting to see if you've proven trustworthy. 
Because see, before he gives you a big assignment, he needs to make sure you can do the little assignments that you're going to obey him. And I've had people say, well, you know, I'm not, I said, what do you mean? It doesn't surprise me the first church God gave me was a church running four people. Nobody else wanted me. I had a speech impediment. I talked too fast. I sound funny. I don't pronounce my words right. And so when we got, Ruth and I got a chance, you know, the church wanted us in North Dakota, where it's cold, really cold next to the Canadian border. But we knew our heart jumped. Yeah, that's where God wants us to go. What was he doing? He was testing me to see if I was willing to obey him before he's going to give me a bigger assignment. Some of our best years were in North Dakota, where we walked with God and heard what God wanted us to do. So here's Noah. He's walking with God, and he gets this incredible assignment from God. He says, Noah, here's what I want you to do. I want you to build this big boat. We're going to put animals in there and everything else, because I tell you what, I'm going, I am just so tired of this. I'm going to have it rain. And Noah says, what is rain? See, Noah had never seen rain. That's what makes it so incredible. He'd never seen a boat. See, the whole earth, the atmosphere, it tells us, was covered with kind of a misty type stuff. The humidity was always right. You didn't have to worry about getting sunburned and all that stuff. And UV, you, didn't, you know, everything was really good. We did, you know, there's pretty close to creation time. And there was always a heavy dew and everything. You didn't need rain. But God's going to flood the earth with rain. So Noah, he explains to Noah what rain is. But he says, Noah, here's the thing. I'm pleased with you because you walk with me. So you need to build a big boat. And Noah begins to build a boat. Does what God tells him to do. And it takes him, I mean, it's, it's nothing small. It's 450 foot long. That is a football field plus the end zone over to the stands, man, on both ends. how long it was. It was wide. It's half as wide as a football field. 45 foot high. Took him 120 years to build the thing. I tell you what, you talk about endurance. I think after about 70 years, I'd have said, you know what, God, hold it a minute. I've looked at the weather channel. There's not a cloud in the sky. Not Noah. He stuck with it. And don't you know, people teased him and razzed him. And Home Depot began to wonder if there was anybody else that needed lumber besides Noah. I mean, just think about it. Let's just take a look at what it says in Genesis, chapter 6, verse 13. God told Noah, cruelty and violence have spread everywhere. Now I'm going to destroy the whole earth and all of its people. Get some good lumber and build a boat, put rooms in it, cover it on the inside and with tar inside and out. Make it 450 foot long, 75 feet wide, 45 foot high, and build a roof on the boat. And leave a space of about 18 inches between the roof and the sides. I think they might need a little ventilation, all right. Make the boat three stories high and put a door on one side. I'm going to send a flood that will destroy everything that breathes. Nothing will be left alive. But I solemnly promise that you, your wife, your sons, and daughters-in-laws will be kept safe in the boat. Bring into the boat with you, male and female of every kind of animal and bird, as well as male and female of every reptile. I don't want them to be destroyed. Store up enough food for yourselves and for them. Here's the important sentence. Noah did everything the Lord told him to do. Everything. See, he was walking with God, so he heard. He obeyed. And he walked with God even while he was building the boat. 
And finally it was done. And now, God, what should I do? So in chapter 7, the Lord told Noah, take your whole family with you into the boat because you are the only one on this earth who pleases me. Now remember, there's one door on one side of the boat. One side of the ark. And by the way, my neighbors attend church here when (laughs) pre-COVID days, Owen and Julie Compton, they went down in the Cincinnati area and saw now where they had built a replica of the ark and they tell you all about it and everything else and how it worked and it was quite an experience and if you need to know where it is you want to go somewhere post-COVID days call me I'll give you their phone number they can tell you where it is but it's just amazing to me that Noah in that one door obeys God and him and his family go into the ark now he doesn't worry about the details folks Because God took care of the details. He's just supposed to do what God tells him to do. He he didn't say, well, now I've got to turn into a crocodile hunter and capture every reptile. No, 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 no. He just went into the boat. And guess what? God brought the animals in two by two. And then the door went shut. You see, sometimes my problem is, and our problem as humans is, we're at point A. God wants us to go to point B. And we go a little ways and we hear God, we obey God, and then we get to a rough stop. And I finally get through that rough part, and I go, okay, I'm just going to stay here a while. I've had enough rough parts for a while. God says, no, you're not the point B yet. You're right here in the middle. Well, you know, I just kind of go in a circle for a little while. Cause it feels pretty good not having any rough spots to stay in. And then I realize, you know, I really should do what God does, because, you know, like that lady that said 12 years ago, I was supposed to apologize to somebody. I need to get to point B. And then I, and when I finally get it, I think, why did I waste my time getting dizzy going in circles when I could have just obeyed God like Noah did? I mean, I've seen people stop and decide to take the easy way out and they lose a friendship, a relationship, or a marriage because they don't want to work on it. Or they quit somewhere vocationally. But God wants us to go from point A to point B. I need to obey him. And that's one of the things I found out. I'm going to be 73 in six weeks. I realize if I'm a smart guy, I'm not the brightest bulb, but I'm smart enough to know that if God says to do something, I'm better off to go from point A straight to point B and just whack down the walls and get in the way so that I, I just need to be sure and endure it until I get there. Because, man, when you get to the end, it's worth it. And Noah got to the end. He got in the ark. And it's amazing. See, if we do it God's way, if we build in space to listen to God, obey God, meditate on his word, walk with him, live with his endurance, you'll see and recognize God's timing. But that's really important. (laughs) That was probably the hardest thing for me to learn in my spiritual life was God's timing. I began to understand his timing is not Dwayne's timing. You see, we're a spoiled generation. I remember when Ruth and I first got married. And uh, we didn't have a TV for a while. And then we bought a black. Ruth went next door when they had a garage sale and bought a black and white TV. They wanted $30 for it. She gave $15. Always looking for a buy. Do you know that TV? You'd be sitting on the couch, you decide you want to watch TV, you had to get up, wade through the shag carpet and turn it on, go in the kitchen, get a cup of coffee, come back, and it's finally coming on. 
Took the tube like five minutes to warm up and get going. We don't like that now. I want a remote. I want to change channels now. And I dare say every one of you have a microwave oven. You know why? I want a baked potato in three minutes. I don't want to wait for an hour. I have to warm up the oven and wait for it to get hot. I want my baked potato now. And that's the way we are with God sometimes. We don't realize God has his timing for a reason. So finally I realized, okay, God, I need to sync up with your timetable. I don't understand it. It seems a little weird to me, a little slow to me. I don't know why I'm going through this. This is tough then. This is really tough. I just, I, I'd like to get to the finish line now, God. This quitting point, it's really, I'm really tempted to quit, but I'm going to trust you anyway and lean on your voice and obey what you tell me to do, and I'm going to keep walking with you. And look back at Noah. He walks in. The animals come in, God shuts the door, and it rains. And it rains. And it flooded. He's in that boat for a year. Think of that. Weaving back and forth, getting seasick, I'll tell you what. And then finally, the boat lands on top of a Mount Ararat, a mountain. And it rests on dry ground. And God still doesn't open the door because you've got to wait for the mud to dry and the water to go down and all the other stuff. And finally... He says, okay, now it's time to get out of the boat. And I guarantee you, if I'd have got out of that boat the first thing I'd have done, I'd have knelt down, rolled in the dirt, and kissed it. I am so tired of being seasick. I think that, and, and being in there with all those animals and all that smell, all that humidity, I, I would be glad to get out. But not Noah. You know what Noah does? The first thing he does, first thing he does, says in the Bible, Noah built an altar. Think of that. Noah built an altar where he could sacrifice, offer sacrifices to the Lord. And the smell of the burnt offering pleased God. Noah didn't come out of the ark and say, hey man, I'm the man, I'm the one. We, we, me and my boys, man, we spent 120 years, we built the thing. No. He gets out and says, thank you God. This is amazing. And as I live my life and as you live your life, we should have that <coughs> smell that sweet smell, that aroma. God needs to be pleased with our walk with him. And not only does God, but you know people in this world are looking for someone who's willing to obey God and listen to God and endure and realize that because God lives, I can face tomorrow. I've got a reason why I'm going to keep on wearing this mask. I've got a reason why I'm willing to look at church on a television or on my iPhone. In fact, God's taught me some stuff during this COVID. Really has. <coughs> See, we, we think, well, hey, it's great to be here an hour on Sunday in the building with all these people, and it is great. And worship God, but we don't just worship God in a building. We worship God all the time. I found out I can worship God now on the couch. I worship God downstairs, and I'm watching the, the preacher from California while my wife, Ruth Ann, is Zooming with some kids, and I've never Zoomed in my life. I did Zoom one time in my life, but, you know, I, that's another new thing I learned. And then, you know, it just, I go to church four times now every Sunday morning. From Georgia to California to this church to one in Dallas. It's amazing what God has taught me. But just think about that. Ruth Ann decided... She wanted to uh, 
Well, how do you do it? How do you keep going? Let's just look at this. Here's the first thing you need to do, and it may sound a little weird, but number one, you need to get your head in the clouds. I told you it's going to sound a little weird. You got it at the bottom of your screen, but that's what you need to do if you want to build endurance. You know why? Because in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, such a large crowd of witnesses is all around us. Wow. See, in other words, life is a race. Ruthann decided after I'd run about 45 marathons that she wanted to run one. I said, okay. First one we're going to run, then we're going to try to run Los Angeles. Because I ran the Los Angeles Marathon, and those people had a big party. They'd stop, oh, hi, George, how are you? I haven't seen you for a while. <laughs> hey, come on, are we running a marathon? And so there that guy went. And, you know, they were they just like, they weren't in a hurry. If we get home tomorrow, we get there tomorrow, who cares? So I said, Ruth, you can't be last. We'll run L.A. She averaged 12 minutes a mile. They're really good. I said, now, Ruth, to really find out what a marathon experience is life, you got to run Chicago. I've run Boston. I've run all over. Chicago's the best marathon. Every step of their way, there are crowds, three and four people deep, cheering for you and cheering for you. And then the closer you get to the finish line, the louder and the thicker they are cheering for you to make it to the finish line. We got a cloud of witnesses, folks, and in the race called life that we are living, there are people up there, the cloud of witnesses. I mean, just think of Abel, okay? Adam and Eve's son Abel. He said, hey, there's nothing but the blood. Keep trusting in the blood of God, man. It'll help you. And there's Moses, and he's saying, come on. People need a leader to follow. Keep on doing what you're supposed to keep doing. Don't fall into what you want to do. You just keep obeying God, and others will follow you. And think about David. He says, you know, I know there's a giant in your life, but guess what? God can help you get through that giant that you're facing if you'll just ask him for help. Oh, there's where he had the prostitute. She's there and she says, <laughs> she's listed in the genealogy of Jesus. But she started off as a prostitute. She says, I don't care what you've done with your life. You give your life to God. Man, he's got an awesome life for you if you'll just lead, live for him. Wow, what kind of a cheering section we're going to have. So one thing you need to do is get your Head in the clouds. Second thing you need to do, join Weight Watchers. I mean, not the earthly Weight Watchers. I could do that too, but the spiritual Weight Watchers. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. You got a cloud of witnesses in verse 1. Chapter 2, so we must get rid of everything that slows us down, especially the sin that just won't let you go, that just won't let go. We must be determined to run the race that is ahead of us. Every one of us, when we're going from point A to point B, we're trying to follow God. Get rid of anything that's going to slow you down, any weight or anything else. See, all of us, if we're not careful, have one area of our life where we say, but I want to do this. And we're susceptible to it. And the devil knows it. He's going to try to put it in our path. We're going to say, no, not going to do it. Not going to do it. Have you ever seen anybody run away race? I mean, some of you here in Valpo, you've probably seen the popcorn race. You don't see them running in heavy shoes, no. In marathon, I had shoes I wore that weighed eight ounces. You know why? The average marathon runner has 88,000 steps in that 26.2 miles. If I wore a one-pound shoe and had an extra half pound for 88,000 steps, I don't want to carry that kind of weight. That slow me down. Get rid of it and just... Become a strong, just, just, just get rid of it and 
follow Jesus. In fact, you need to become a strong finisher. He said, why should I become a strong finisher? I'll tell you why. Jesus is standing at the finish line, folks. And he's saying, hey, I want you to fix your eyes on me. Look at me, look at me. Don't get sidetracked. You're almost home. Come on. In fact, here's what it says. The rest of verse 2 in Hebrews chapter 12 says, we must keep our eyes on Jesus who leads us and makes our faith complete. Keep our eyes on Jesus. He endured the shame of being nailed to the cross because he knew that later on he would be glad he did. And now he's seated at the right side of God's throne. Wow. See, Jesus is saying, don't look left, don't look right. Follow me. Look at me. Come on. I had you on my mind, man, when I was spilling my blood on Calvary. Because I live, now you can live and you can make it to the finish line. Whoa. Well, I'm running out of time, but let me give you four things. Here's what the Bible says the ark is. It's a picture, an illustration of the cross of Christ. You see, the ark was made of wood. The cross was made of wood. And the Bible said in the Old Testament, we read it this morning, that the ark was covered with tar that sealed the ark. Covered with tar. In the New Testament, he spilled his blood on the cross, and his blood, Christ's blood, seals us for eternity. The ark saved Noah and his family from destruction. The cross will save you and me from destruction. We're going to go to heaven instead of hell. The last thing is this. The ark had only one door. And you know what Jesus said? He said, I am the door. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. And he gives us a choice. We can either get on board with him or he gave us freedom of choice. And we can live life with the emptiness inside, not having Christ in our life. My question to you this morning is, I don't know where you're listening from, but wherever you are, I want to ask you this. Have you, have I gone through the door? That's the most important question we'll ever answer. Let's bow our heads. Dear Father, I just want to say thank you. That you've given us an opportunity this morning to be able to see that you've opened the door for us. And I just ask that you'd help us during this time of COVID to endure. To keep doing what you want us to do. And it's different. We're not used to wearing masks. We're not used to being careful. We're not used to being six foot apart. But Lord, I'm learning new stuff all the time as I follow you, walk with you each day. And if there's someone here this morning that hasn't walked through the door, as I talk out loud, might they just where they're seated or wherever they are, might they just talk to you silently and say, Dear God, today, I'm going to come through the door and I'm going to open the door of my life to you and ask you to come into my life and forgive me and help me to be the person you know I can be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm going to ask Pastor Rich to come up now and lead us through the Lord's Prayer. Would you pray with me? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us, not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. 
Amen. Amen. Uh, thank you so much. Um, um, so if you would like to participate, now's your chance to grab some, uh, grab some bread, grab some juice, or the closest equivalent, and uh, let's prepare our hearts to receive from God today. Thank you again, God, for your faithful love, for your goodness that you've shown us in Jesus Christ. Thank you that as we endure, as we continue to trust and to follow you, you give us that strength, you give us that grace, you give us the presence of your Holy Spirit. God, I love that image of of Jesus, you having already run this race ahead of us and you uh, calling us forward to to trust and follow you because you know what is waiting for us. You know the life that you give. Uh, You have conquered sin. You have conquered death. You have conquered the devil, Lord Jesus. And so you know that you, you have everything we need. You have all the strength, all the life, all the power of God that we need to endure and to continue to trust and follow you. Thank you, God, for this sacrament that we get to celebrate today, uh, together with Christians around the world, offering to you uh, gifts of bread and juice and praying that by your Spirit's presence here, we might meet our Savior, Jesus Christ, crucified, died, buried, and risen. We can meet the conquering one, the victorious one, the author and finisher of our faith. We can meet him here in his body and in his blood. God, today we we lift our hearts up to you. We give you thanks. We offer you ourselves. And we pray that by your spirit's presence and work in our lives, that, uh, that our sins might be forgiven and washed away, that we might be embraced as your sons and daughters, that we might be filled with your Holy Spirit and transformed from the inside out, that we might live in this world as your kids, as the body of Christ, as your hands and feet, extending grace and encouragement and hope to all those you send us to. Thank you, God. Thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you've been able to gather some bread and juice, uh, you're invited to join us here. On, On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he gave thanks and he gave it to his disciples and he said, take this, eat, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take and eat the bread. Likewise, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, gave it to his disciples and said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. When you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Let's take and drink. We do remember, Lord Jesus, and we give you thanks for the love that you have given us, for the grace that you have poured into our lives, for you giving yourself to us by your Holy Spirit to lead us so that as we leave this service, as we uh, finish out this year, as we look forward to the coming year and all that you have planned for us, God, we anticipate good things. We, We leave this place trusting you trusting you to lead us well. Thank you, God. We are looking forward to the work you're going to do in our lives and through us in the lives of others. Today, this week, the coming year. Help us to continue to trust you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 
But the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.